Father, we just thank you once again, Lord, this morning. Pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, even as we read from your word, understand from your word, learn from your word, I pray, Father, that, Lord, every time we read or we hear a here I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, grant us the grace that we could, that we would go beyond the voice of man, that we would hear your voice. For you said in your word, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. Therefore, this morning, I pray, Father, that you would anoint us once again. Grant us the anointing of the Holy Spirit and unfold and unpack your scriptures for us that we will truly understand the voice behind your word, the voice of your Holy Spirit. To that end, I pray that you would speak, that you would, Father, uh, anoint the speaking and the hearing of those words, touch our hearts, grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and bring order into every area in our lives. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so we'll we'll look at Exodus again this morning. Uh, last time uh, we looked at Exodus chapter nineteen um, on on Friday, if I'm right, where we talked about how God brings them out and He brings them to Horeb and that is at Sinai, and He's going to give them the law. And before he gives them the law, he reminds them of three things. First, he says, I was the one who brought you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. And he says, you will be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He describes their new identity. And he calls them to maturity. And then he says, exchange your garments. Change your garments, sanctify yourselves and separate yourselves so that I can speak to you and that you can hear from me. And then, of course, if you read the entire account in 19, he says, don't come close to the mountain. And he tells Moses, put a barricade around the mountain so that nobody, even even if an animal comes, it will be put to death. So he shows uh, Israel how different he is from his creation, that he's absolutely holy and righteous and uh, uh, that he is, he's apart from his creation. That is a holy God, right? And then of course, he begins to give them the Ten Commandments. It's very interesting. He doesn't give them the Ten Commandments in Egypt. He brings them out and then he gives them the law. Okay. It's, it's always righteousness is by faith and faith alone. We don't become believers because we have kept the law or whatever it is, whatever the law is, that we obey um, the Sermon on the Mount, for example, we don't become believers or we don't become justified because we have kept the commandments of Jesus. We are justified and therefore we keep the commandments of Jesus. That's a huge difference between religion and Christianity. Okay, Religion will say, do this, 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 and at the end of it, you will be justified. Christianity and the Bible says, 
first you will be justified. You will be brought out from your land of darkness, from the bondage, etc., etc. And then I give you the law. Okay. Then you begin to obey me. Okay. You're first justified. You're reckoned righteous before God. And then you are given the grace to obey and grow into that righteousness that God has um, um, called us to live up to. Right? So this is something which is so, so, so different from every other worldview and every other religion. Therefore, um, we just keep this, these things in mind. Okay, when, Even when we study the scriptures, we don't get justified because we obey. We are justified and therefore we obey. You understand? There's a lot of difference between the two. That is the reason why he says in First Corinthians chapter 5, he says, purge out the old leaven so that you may be made new because you are indeed new already. You are new. You are a new creation in Christ. That is your new identity. Okay. And therefore he calls you to maturity. First he shows you your identity. This is what you are. And therefore he then comes and gives you the law. He never gave the law and said, okay, fine, keep the Ten Commandments in Egypt. Let me see. After you perform your Ten Commandments, let me see when I'll, uh, if I can uh, deliver you from bondage. No, that's not the way it works. So, of course, he's bringing them out. But gospel is what? Um, Romans chapter 1 verse 5, please, if you can, and then we can. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among the nations. If you put the NIV also is an interesting rendering. Through him and for his name's sake we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the nation, all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. There is an obedience that comes from faith. And God has called us to obedience and therefore he has saved us so that we may obey. We don't obey and therefore he saves us. No. He saves us and then we obey. Alright? So understand that principle. And then of course now he is going to give them the law and we will read from Exodus chapter 20. Let's read from verses 1 to 6. The first commandment. And God spoke all these words, NIV, no? Just, just put, put, the, put, put it back to NKJV. <clears throat> Let's read that. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Go on. <clears throat> you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a card of carved image, any likeness of it, of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them. Okay. That's exactly what this word bow down, uh, which comes from that word where, um, Abraham tells his, his, uh, servants, me and uh, the lad and I will go up the mountain and we will worship. That is what the word bow down means. Okay. Worship or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to the thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You see that uh, very, very, very interesting verse. I, I, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the children to the third and fourth generation. We looked at that, that yesterday pastor was talking about the fact that our problem is not sin. Our problem is iniquity and we looked at what it means. But the first thing that he says, the first commandment, he says, 
thou shalt have no other gods before me why if you go turn back to go back to uh, chapter 1 uh, sorry uh, verse 1 i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of bondage and verse 3 will say you shall have no other gods before me that is the first commandment the quintessential commandment the ultimate commandment if you break this commandment doesn't matter if you keep every other commandment you're gone in fact every other commandment you break because you do not keep this you can trace it back to this if you turn to 1 john chapter 5 the last two verses last two verses very interesting verse we looked at this and we know uh yeah verse 21 actually you can read read, read verse 21 that's enough little children keep yourselves from idols okay 1 corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 if i'm right 11 12 yeah um sorry one minute um 14 14 please therefore my beloved flee from idolatry Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 17 18 Oh uh, sorry uh, not 16 uh, 7 8 and 9 7 8 and 9 Yeah in which you also once walked when you uh, in which you lived in them <clears throat> uh but now yourself are put uh, are to put off all these anger wrath malice blasphemy fill the language out of your mouth and uh, do not lie to one another go on okay since you have Yeah, uh one second please I'll tell you the exact verse Colossians chapter 1 I forgot to 3 chapter 3 and verse where it says um, Col- Colossians chapter 3 and verse um, Yeah sorry verse 5 verse 5 yeah verse 5 sorry verse 5 therefore put to death your members which are on earth fornication and cleanness passion evil desire covetousness which is idolatry okay so thou shall not have no other any other idols other than me so this is a mo- also a new covenant uh, covenant commandment to flee idolatry to keep yourself from idolatry and he also explains what idolatry is it is also covetousness is idolatry he also says in ephesians and also in colossians and also it says in galatians it says one of the works of the flesh go to galatians chapter 5 verse 19 <clears throat> onwards 19 now therefore the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness idolatry and witchcraft both are going together you see that both of them go together so this is also one of the one of the things that new covenant people also struggle with and therefore we need to understand what idolatry is and the second commandment which is also very similar to that that you shall not have any carved image why we need to understand these two what is this what is the reason why we should not have any other idols so he explains that okay let's go back now exodus chapter 20 verses 1 2 and 3 you will see you shall have no 1 2 and 3 1 2 and 3 okay i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of bondage therefore you shall have no other gods before me the reason why he says that you that that you should have no other idols or no other gods is because i am the one who brought you out of egypt it's very important for us to understand okay 
okay clearly keep this in mind so therefore if you if you if you uh, understand what it means in the in the new covenant terms you were in bondage right that means you couldn't save yourself you were given over to sin and a sinful nature you were under the influence of the systems of this world you were by um nature children of disobedience you were under the influence of the spirit of the power of the age okay or of the air rather and by nature you were objects of wrath okay you were this you could not save yourself and that when i you could not save yourself what did i do i brought you out when you could not save yourself i put you on eagle's wings and brought you into the wilderness so how do you translate that into new covenant terms you find that into romans chapter 5 and verse 6 you'll find this in romans chapter 5 verse 6 onwards 6 to 11 for when you were still without strength that is when i died for you when you were ungodly i died for you verse 8 when you were still sinners i died for you verse 9 or sorry verse 10 when you were enemies i reconciled so this is what your condition was i am the lord who brought you brought you out of the egypt means in new covenant terms you were absolutely without strength you didn't have any strength to live a righteous life that is the reason why it says 10 commandments giving that 10 commandments cannot save you because you are without strength it is impossible for you to keep any of this commandments because you are without strength you are absolutely under the bondage of the of of the devil of your sin and of the spirit of this air of the world under the captivity and what did i do when you were without with you without strength when you were enemies when you were ungodly and when you were absolutely sinners i saved you that is the reason why you shall have no other gods before me okay and you shall not make any image of course that is the second commandment and why does he give that uh, second commandment also if you turn with me again to uh, in, in the new covenant terms colossians chapter 1 verse 13 onwards you can look at this beautiful uh, renderings okay colossians chapter 1 verse 13 it's going to be more of a study he has delivered us from the power of darkness understand this who has delivered us okay he that is god himself has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us i like that word convey you know can have you seen conveyor belt conveyor belt mein tum you do you don't do anything on the conveyor belt you just wait on the conveyor belt it will transport you from one place to the other that is what is called as conveying okay he translated us into the kingdom of his son of of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins and then goes on next verse it says he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation for by him are all things were created that is in heaven or on earth visible invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were 
created through him and for him and verse 17 and 18 we know this verse very well uh, our 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 logo in our church for he is before all things and verse 18 will say that in all things he may have the preeminence he is the image of the invisible god he was the one who translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son by the finished work of his son on the cross through the redemption that was in his blood. The word is redemption, which is essentially a term of, which is also used as ransom. He ransomed you and he conveyed you literally. You were absolutely powerless and therefore don't make any other image because you will be corrupting the image of my son. In another place, this is beautiful. Okay, this is this. Uh, this, by the way, um, the Hebrew word, uh, the Greek word for image is ekaino, ekaino, and there's another word for Hebrew uh, in Greek, which is very interesting. Uh, if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter one, very, very beautiful. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter one, verses one to four. Okay, God, who at various times, I like that. How it starts off Hebrews? How does it start? God, comma. I love that. It's it, it, we don't know the author of Hebrews. Okay, so Hebrew starts off with one word, God, comma, <laughs> love that. God who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets in these last days has spoken to us by his son. Now look at this. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, and then who being the brightness of his glory and the express what? Image, you know the word for image here, character. It's actually character in Greek, which which we which we, which come from which we get the word character. Now I'll tell you what this character is. Now, um, um, it's like this. No, for example, uh, uh, I want to uh, um, print out A. Let's say I want to make a character of A as a block, a plastic block. So what do I do? I put a die cast. Okay, die cast. Uh, with A as a sign, it's a, it's a die, and into that I pour molten plastic or molten metal or whatever it is, and wait for a time, okay, and then it solidifies, and I get that A out, and say this is A. That's the image. That's a character. That's a character called A. Now that's exactly what the father did. He melted himself, and he emptied himself into Christ. Into Christ, and he said, "This is exactly my representation, Christ." Okay, like, let me give you another image. Uh, it's this, no? Uh, let's say, uh, those days, no? Or even I think, uh, uh, until 90s. If you have to, when you, when letters comes from uh, the kings and all these places, or the governor, etc., envelope is sealed. Sealed with the, with the, with the, with that thing, no? What they do is lapam this control. You know, there's something called as lapam. I don't know what it's called. Lapam in uh, in Telugu. It's it's a it's something which are uh, it's a it's not even just wax. It's uh it's something more than wax. What they do is they melt the wax and they put it on that envelope cover and they seal it with the stamp of the emperor or the governor. That's exactly what God did. He emptied himself and he put literally put in put himself into Jesus. So he says he is the egg. Exact representation of the person is in Christ. And therefore, if you make any other image apart from that, you corrupt my image. Because if you have seen my son, you have seen the father. That's what he says. Philip says, show us the father. He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. You, The exact imprint of 
person and the character and the image of God was in the person of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me because you'll corrupt that image. I'll come to that point why, why, why we, why we don't, should not have any other idols uh, very soon. But let me explain this to you a little more from scripture. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 to 4. See this verses. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the gods of this, God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God should shine in them. Okay. The image of God should shine in them. So when we were created the first time, uh, if you look at the account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the gospel according to Luke, something very interesting is mentioned. Okay? Turn with me to the gospel according to Luke, chapter 3. Hmm? Are you there? Chapter 3 and verse... Uh, let's see it from verse 32 onwards. Okay? Very, very, very interesting, okay? The son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon. Of course, David. David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nachson, the son of Aminadab. Now, by the way, just go to 32, actually 30, 30, 30, 30, 30 onwards. Okay, I'll show you something very interesting here. How gospel according to Luke traces the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonan, the son of Eliakim, the son of Milie, the son of Menon, the son of Matak. Matatha, the son of, okay, no, genealogy of David, of Jesus Christ is traced not from Solomon. There's another son of David called Nathan. I think he's a daughter, a son of somebody, some other wife. I forgot the name of the wife. I think it's, I don't know. Okay, it's in Chronicles. The son of Nathan, the son of David. He doesn't trace it from Solomon. Okay. Of course, he's obviously tracing the genealogy of Mary here in this case, not of, the, not of Joseph per se. Let's move on. Let's move on. The son of Jesse, the son of Heber, the son of Boaz, the son of Salman, the son of Nechson, Aminadab, Ram, Hezron, Perez, uh, son of Judah, and verse 34, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. Now, this is where Matthew stops. Okay, From uh, Abraham to this thing, 14 generations, from David, David to captivity, 14 generations, and 14 generations, 14, 14, 14, okay? But here, it, he goes beyond. Tera, Nasor, Serug, Ru, Peleg, Eber, son of Shela, <laughs> and then uh, Kainan, Arphaxad, Shem, Noah, Lamech, Methuselah, Enoch, okay, Jared, Mahalel, Kainan, Enosh, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. Now, this is interesting. What does it mean? When Adam was created, he was he was absolutely created in the image of God. And what happened? The moment we disobeyed God, that image was marred completely. Not over a period of time, completely destroyed. And is recreating us back into the image of His Son. Therefore, it says in Romans chapter eight, verse twenty nine onwards, for those whom He has predestined. That's something very interesting. 829, for whom he foreknew, he was also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, the second Adam. 
or the last Adam, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay, so he is the image of God and we don't want to corrupt that image. Okay, and when he says, thou shall have no other gods apart from me, because I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And therefore, if you exchange me for other gods, what you are telling is, you are saying that the other gods have brought you out of the land of Egypt. That's what you're saying. So how does it translate into new covenant terms? Turn now to uh, yeah, why not? Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. We know this very well. Hmm. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that he might become the righteousness of God in him. So when we remove or say, rather replace God with some other gods, what are we saying? You became, or those gods became sin for us. God says, no, my son became sin. Okay, My, my son was the only one who could uphold my righteousness. So if you exchange that, you're exchanging this truth. You're exchanging my righteousness for yours. Okay. Understand that? You're exchanging that. Look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 4 onwards, 4 to 6. We know this very well, but we'll look at it again. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed nor shall be there shall be lacking anything says the lord behold the days will come says the lord that i will raise the day to david a branch of righteousness a king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth and verse 6 it says in day in those days in his days judah will be saved israel will dwell in safety now this is his name by which he will be called the lord our righteousness Sixteen thirty-three, Jeremiah. Sixteen thirty-three, thirty-three sixteen, thirty-three sixteen of Jeremiah. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell in safety. And this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Okay. So when you are when you are exchanging that, when you are replacing one God to the other, what are you saying? You are replacing. My righteousness, something totally different. And I'm not going to be, I will not accept that. It is the righteousness of my son and my son alone. You're justified by faith and faith alone on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's all. Nothing else. I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And therefore thou shall have no other gods apart from me. That is what the first First thing, another, another thing, you can look at this in um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Look at this, we, all, we looked at it several times, but once again. 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to us. So he became a curse so that we might Bring, get the blessing. So what are we doing? We were under a curse in Egypt and he, and he became a curse for us. When, he, when the Passover lamb was literally sacrificed, literally the curse and the sin was put on my son. 
He became a curse for us. And when you, when I brought you out, I give you a blessing. Okay. That's the reason why he says all of them were baptized into Moses. They were baptized into the cloud. What was that? That was a baptism. It's a symbol of the baptism of in water and a symbol of baptism in the Holy Spirit. I gave you the blessing of the Holy Spirit by making my son a curse and you shall have no other gods before me. Meaning what? Other gods have not become a curse for you. They in fact brought a curse over your life. You see that? Understand that? Remember this incredible episode in, in, uh, Numbers chapter 23, when Balak calls Balaam to what? To curse Israel. Look at what it says in Numbers chapter 23, verse 5 onwards. Yeah? The Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak and thus you shall speak. And by the way, the word Balak means destroyer. Emptier. The one who makes desolate. That's his purpose. No, Balak means a symbol of Satan himself. So he returned to him and there he was standing by his burnt offering, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. And look at what the next verse says. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? How shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? In fact, he says, I don't see any iniquity in Jacob. There cannot be any divination against Jacob too. Why? Because his son became a curse for us so that we could get the blessing. So when we say, no other gods apart from me, what are you saying? Lord, you were the one who became a curse for me. No other god could could take that place. Understand that? Okay, everybody? So primarily, when you look at idolatry, there there are three exchanges that take place. In descending order. From worst, best, I mean, worst to worst to worst. Okay, it's like, it starts there and ends up in such a terrible mess. If you turn with me to, in the NIV, if you will, uh, if from, to, to Romans chapter 1 verse 18 onwards. Okay, I'm gonna read a few verses here and I'm gonna identify three exchanges. Three exchanges, okay. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness or ungodliness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth or hold down the truth. I'll tell you what hold down the truth meaning. Okay. Um, Let's say um, somebody comes to your class who is not supposed to be in your class. Okay. It happens in universities, no? Uh, Guy from uh, arts department goes to mathematics department. Okay, and he's chit-chatting and uh, the lecturer comes into the art, ma- mathematics class and this fellow is sitting there. So what do, what do the friends do? Hey, hide, hide, hide. And they push him under the <laughs> bench. Okay. So what are, what are they doing? They're holding him down so that the lecturer will not see him. Okay. That's the image. Pressing the truth down in unrighteousness. Pressing, that's the image. Holding, hold down the truth. Don't pop out. Don't show your head. That's the image over here, okay? Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 
or hold down the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known by, about God is plain to them, because God has it made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen where being understood from what has been made. Okay. Uh, how many bits of information are there in uh, the human DNA? 3.8 billion bits of information or 3.6 billion bits of information 3.6 billion bits hello 3.6 billion bits now can you imagine the permutations and combinations okay. word length of 8 bits 256 characters you can get am I right that is 8 bits billion bits You see that human DNA, it's impossible. It's, it's, it's amazing, right? When the conception happens in the mother's womb, it says, I was the one who fashioned you in your mother's womb. Okay, what happens is that the conception happens, the zygote is formed, and after a while it starts multiplying. The cells starts dividing. And then it comes to a point where when they become stem cells, okay, and the stem cells start differentiating. And some of them become hand, some of them become brain, some of them become... How do they know? How do they know? Oh, it's amazing. 3.8, just start multiplying. It's un incredible, right? One cell, in that 26, 26 chromosomes, all the information is available. Unbelievable. So when you see I, that, that that itself should, I think when you when parents go and see the baby in the womb, they should say, "Boy, this is unbelievable. This is God." Small point to big. Now we can see all it, right? When we saw Abigail the first, my small. Hey, there she is. There she is. Heart heartbeat and all. Unbelievable. How how they how God does it. How does, how does one, one cell know that it has to become the heart? It all comes from one cell. One cell. That is God. He says, when you see, it is not by chance, my dear brothers. When you see this, you have to conclude there is a designer. You see man, there is a creator. He is the image of God. Okay. So what he says, when since the creation of God's uh, of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and His divine, divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from the things that have been made so that men are without excuse. But you know what happens? Verse 21. For although they knew God, neither they glorified Him as, they did not glorify Him as God. Okay. Nor gave Him thanks, but they became futile in their Thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. All they, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. How verse 23? This is the first exchange. Verse 23. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God. KJV and, and the other translations will use your word. Incorruptible God. 
four images made like to cut, like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. That's the first exchange. When you exchange the glory of God, the incorruptible God, what have, what has happened to us? We've been born again by the incorruptible word of God. That's what happens to us once we are born again. By the word of truth, James 1.18 will say, He begat us again by the word of truth, the incorruptible word. All flesh is as grass and all the glory of it is as flower as grass. The grass withers, the flower fails, and but the what? The glory of God abides forever. This is the gospel which was preached to you. We've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, which lives and abides forever. So what happens, the first exchange happens in idolatry where you exchange the glory of God to something which is corruptible. Incorruptible to corruptible. Which is absolutely eternal to temporal. The moment you change the glory of the incorruptible or the immortal God. The glory here that comes from the word, we know the word doxa, which translates into opinion. When you change the eternal opinion to temporal opinions. When you change the eternal opinions to the opinions of men. That is when idolatry happens. Why do I say this? Glory of God. Where does this word? It's a very incredible verse in Romans chapter 6 verses 3, 4 and 5. Please look at this. Actually 2. Two, 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 two. Two onwards, okay? By no means. Shall we continue to sin? So that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who live, uh, um, by, by no means, we died to sin, how can we live any longer in it? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And look at the next verse. We therefore were buried with with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the oh, the glory of the Father, we too may have eternal life. So when Christ was raised from that, what what rose him from the dead, which was the glory of God. What was the glory of God? This, my son, is absolutely sinless. That was the opinion of God about his son. That, that is the reason why all the time when he was on the earth, you know what he says, I don't seek my own glory, I seek the glory of whom he sent me. I do not seek my own glory, I don't seek the, I seek the glory of whom he sent me. Therefore, what happens? The first exchange, you know what we do is when we exchange the glory of the incorruptible God or the immortal God into those which are made into mortal man, beasts. And you, how does you, you see, go back to uh, 23 of Romans chapter 1. Immortal God, into images made to look like mortal man, and then degeneration. You see that? Birds, animals, and reptiles. Snakes. That's the first exchange. Understand that? You exchange the substance for a shadow. You exchange that which is incorruptible for corruptible. You exchange that which is eternal for something which is temporal. You exchange uh, the life of Christ for grass. I'm not. I'm not kidding. It's it's a fact. Let me prove this to you. NIV. Okay, say in NIV or ESV. One zero six Psalm and verses eighteen onwards. 
Express image, I told you, right? If if I were to melt God, imagine melting God, and if I have to cast him into a person, the casting into that person would be Christ. So melting God, and they, what did they do? They melted metal, and they melted into an, into an idol like a calf. And they said, you know what? These are the gods which brought you out of the land of Egypt. And they exchanged the glory for an image of a bull which eats grass. You will see this bull everywhere. You know where you see it? Talal Street. And uh, Wall Street. Dalal Street and Wall Street. Both have two L's. Lal and LL. Wall Street. Okay. It's, it's amazing, right? You go there. Why bull? Why this bull? Because it is your golden calf. That is what you put your trust in. The opinions of men. And it's all opinions, right? Think about it. Every market is an opinion. It's what we call a speculation. Okay. It is, it gives you a, it promises you returns. Higher returns. And you create a bubble, a bubble, a bubble, a bubble. And the bubble breaks, everything comes down, crashing down. See, what has happened? The first thing what you do is, you in, you change the exchange, the life of Christ to grass. The life of Christ to grass. The glory of the immortal God, something to temporal. That is the reason why he says, do not set your hearts and minds on temporal things. Even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being transformed from one image, one level of glory to the other. As we look at things which are unseen, for the things which are unseen are eternal and the things which are seen are what? Temporal. But when you exchange the temporal to the, uh, for the eternal, what has happened? You exchange. That is, that is what is idolatry. Idolatry is exchanging the glory of God to something else. And therefore, in order to justify this idolatry, you know what you do? You also choose for yourself a leader or a head who will justify that. Who will okay it. Who will bring the levels and the standards of God down. That is the reason why he says, he tells, he tells uh, the, the, in, in, in the gospel according to Matthew chapter 5, he says, don't ever think that I've come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Let me tell you the truth. Verily, verily, I say to you, not even a yacht or a detail from the law will be broken until everything is fulfilled. Therefore, if any one of you relaxes, the least of these commandments and teachers men, you will be called what? 
least, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. What does he tell me? He says, you know, the standards of God are so high when you have a leadership which is trying to bring the standards down. That is when idolatry happens. Idolatry happens when you bring a leadership, when you have a leadership which is which is able to bring the standards down. I remember this. I shared it sometime back in the church too. I remember this. How the standards have come down. Standards in every field has come down. You know, uh, there was this uh, uh, company which has a opening. Okay, company which has an opening. And in those days, I now, now, not, now, not these days, I'm talking about 90s, 80s, when recommendations and all these things were very big. No? The company had an opening and uh, several people applied for the job. And one was, one among them was a relative of a minister. Okay, the relative of the minister also applied for the job. Now, the interviewers had, they got a letter saying that the minister's relative has applied for the job, we have to give him. So they said, okay, fine, sir, but uh, we have to ask him some questions. Otherwise, uh, how can we give him a job? Okay, we'll ask him. Okay, fine, we'll do one thing. Uh, we'll ask him a very simple question. They said, okay, fine. What simple questions? We'll ask him, what is the capital of India? Uh, sir, what if he is not able to tell the answer? Oh, yeah. We'll ask him. It was it happened in Tamil Nadu. Uh, we'll ask him the capital of uh, Tamil Nadu. What if he says Madurai? Uh, because he's from Madurai. We don't know, sir, but that will be too much of a question. Okay, we'll ask him the question, the the spelling of apple, sir. We don't know whether the fellow knows the spelling of apple or not. Ari, we'll ask him the spelling of coffee. Because at least uh, coffee might be, he'll be drinking. If you go to South India, everybody drinks coffee. Hmm? Coffee is a staple food of South India, if Tamil Nadu, especially in a tumbler. It's called in a different name. I'll tell you what that name is. But, you know, they, they drink in that uh, tumbler, in the container. So... Then they said, no, 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 no. What if he doesn't know the spelling of coffee? It's a little complicated. C-O-F-F-E-E. Wow, it's not easy. Then I said, okay, we'll do one thing. Uh, if he's able to say three or four letters in that coffee itself, we'll give him a job. No, he said, no, sir, that's also dangerous. We don't know. They said, okay, at least one letter in that alpha, in that spelling of coffee, if he's able to tell, we'll give him the job. They said, okay, sir, this is a great idea. One letter in that alphabet, if he's able to say, we'll give him the job. The interview happens. The candidate comes in. Ah, hello, sir. How are you, sir? Uh, you know, all the people become suddenly servile, very, very servile. They ask him, what's your name, etc. One, only one interview question, sir. Uh, can you tell us the spelling of coffee? Everybody is waiting. Huh? And to see what his spelling would be. And he opens his mouth and he says, K-A-P-I. Kapi. Kapi, <laughs> not even a single alphabet is matching. And that is what has happened. What has happened? The standards have come down. Kapi. That is what has happened. When you exchange the glory of God, to the standards of men. You bring it lower and lower and lower. So how does it start? It starts off with man, birds, forfeited beasts and reptiles.
is idolatry. And because of this, you also despise God-ordained leadership. Return with me to Exodus chapter 22, 32, sorry. You'll see that. Exodus chapter 32. And this, see, God excuses them in Mara. God excuses them in Meribah and Masa. God excuses them in the other places, right? When, even when they, when he gives them the commandment of, uh, uh, of collecting the manna six days and the seventh day, take it easy. He excuses them. No, this is the downfall of Israel and after this they don't even recover. This is it. It's over. It's set. This is one thing that messes up. What happens is, this was the one thing that undermines their calling as a nation. What was the calling as a nation? You shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Then this is the one thing which destroys their calling. What? The sin of idolatry. Look at what happened. Now when the people saw the Moses, that Moses delayed, that's what I told you, right? How do you handle the delays of God in your life? Whenever there are delays, that is when people create an idol. Which is of the flesh. When Sarah saw that she delayed conceiving, what did she, what did she say? Madam. Delays of God. So dangerous. Hmm? When people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together Aaron to Aaron and said, Come, hmm, make us gods, we shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And you know what happens, right? Aaron said, break off the golden earrings, etc., etc., and the book of their earrings. And let us look at verse 6. 5 and 6. 5 and 6. So, when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. So, they they rose up early next day, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and uh, you know what that rose up to players. How did immediately degenerate into absolute idolatry? What is idolatry there for? When you uphold, when you don't uphold the standards of God, when you exchange the standards of God to the standards of man, and when you also choose leadership or headship, which kind of okays that. You know, some of the thing, one of the things that I've observed over a period of time is the the problem of this generation. Oh, sorry, it's okay. Problem of this generation is that they don't, they do not like God ordained leadership or headship. And and I, I I feel this is one of the one of the sins. No, whenever you despise God ordained order, you get into idolatry. Why? Because when you, when you despise God ordained order, what you despise is the glory of God. So when you despise the glory of God, what has happened? You've gotten and gotten yourself into idolatry by default, by default. Because it's the exchange of the glory of God. That is idolatry, right? When you despise God ordained order, what happens? You automatically set yourself into idolatry. How do I know it? 
you of all the people should be knowing it in in GTC. When you despise God or in order, you despise the glory of God. You know that? How do I know it? First Corinthians chapter 11, please. Let's read from verse 2. Now I praise you, brother, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Okay? Look at what she, what he says. Go on, go on, bro. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. And what did Christ do? He said, I will not do anything except what brings my father glory. Meaning, I always come under the headship of my father. You understand that? Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, what does he do? Dishonors his head. And then, goes on. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. Okay. Verse 7. We know this. Verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the... He is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. So when you despise God ordained order, what are you doing? You are setting yourself to get get yourself into idolatry. That's exactly what has happened. Slowly, the order gets messed up in every generation or in a church for that matter. It's okay. It's very, very, very important. When order, God ordained order gets messed up in a church, you will see slowly idolatry creeps in and you will see that that particular denomination or whatever church is, they begin to worship images than God. Slowly. Just compromise in one end. One one small thing. Yeah, it's only a small thing. One, two, three, four, etc. That's exactly what happened here. And, and you see this. You see that once they don't... I mean, because what does Moses stand for? Moses stands for a man who has gone, whom God has ordained and who is one man who will never ever compromise the righteous standards of God. And who is Aaron? He's okay. He's movable. And he says, okay, fine. We want this guy. And you'll see in Numbers chapter 14 also, when, uh, the, uh, when the, when the spies bring this evil report so called, what do they say? Let us make ourselves a captain and let us go back to Egypt. Setting themselves up to idolatry. <sighs> Understand this. When we exchange God ordained headship, we exchange the glory of God and we fall into idolatry. So this is a very important thought for us to think about in these days. Because we are living in a generation, as I said, who do not like submission to authority. They are their own. It's my life. Like Pastor said yesterday, no? It's my way. It's the worship of self. I made it. What was God's, God's, uh, what was God's command? Spread out and multiply. <laughs> what did they want to do? Consol- consolidate and build. Who's that? 
spread out and multiply, consolidate and build. Tower of Babel. What was their, what was their whole idea? Let us make a name for ourselves. Understand that. See? God ordained headship. God ordained leadership because we have a generation which despises authority and despises order. Okay? Alright? So please keep these things, truths in mind and uh, it will keep you in good stead. Opinions of men. When you honor men more than you honor God, it becomes idolatry. We know this, right? Turn to First Samuel chapter 2, verse 27 onwards. Subtle ways of idolatry creeping into church or creeping into our own lives. This is Eli. Okay. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to you? To the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house. You see how the whole thing goes back to that place. I was the one who brought you out of Egypt, etc. And then goes on. Did I not choose him out of the tribes of Israel to be my priest to offer my uh, to offer upon my altar to burn incense and to wear an effort before me? In other words, there was a bunch of guys who despised the calling. You were the one who said, "Okay, fine, we are on the Lord's side," and I chose you. It was calling was for everybody. And I chose you. They despised the calling and I chose you. You said, okay, fine. We are on the Lord's side. Then, and did I not give the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? And then goes on. Why did you kick at my sacrifice? Look at this. Who is our ultimate sacrifice? Christ himself, right? And my offering. You see how he actually says is my sacrifice, my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place. And what did you do? And you honor your sons more than you honor me. To make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of the people of, of the offerings of Israel, my people. And then verse 30. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will also honor. You know what the word for honor is? Those who doxo me, I will also doxo. That means if you give me glory, I will also understand, uphold you. If you go and honor your sons and your daughters more than me, you're getting yourself into idolatry. That is the reason why. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel chapter 14, verses 25 onwards. Look at what it says. Luke's Gospel chapter 14, verse 25 onwards. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to me, If anyone comes to me and does not hate, wow, <laughs> wow, powerful, no? Does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yet is, yes, his own life, he cannot be demanded, sir. He cannot. And whoever does not bear his cross, verse 27, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Chapter 9, verse 23. And 24. Then he said to him, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross 
Hold on. Daily and follow me. You see that? Ultimately you see that you cannot love anything or anyone apart from me. The moment you say that, you know what you're saying? I am not the God who brought you out of Egypt. These are the fellows who brought you out of Egypt. And God says, what you do? You despise my offering, my sacrifice in my house. When you honor somebody else more than you honor me. That is idolatry. Okay, so understood the first exchange? What is the first exchange? You exchange the glory of the immortal God or the invisible God or incorruptible God to, the, to, the, to those which are made of corruptible man. There is a reason why if we turn again to First Peter chapter 1 and we lead the last two verses. I like the last two verses. Beautiful verses, no? Verse uh, 23 onwards. 23 onwards, okay? Since you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. That is the reason why what your what the word of God says about you is the most important thing. We'll come to that later on. Because all flesh is as grass and the, and all the glory of man, the flower of grass. That is the reason why he says to the, to the Pharisees, how can you believe me when you seek the glory from one another but do not seek the glory free which comes from the Oh, only God. Yes, thank you. The only God. There is only one God and His glory and His opinion only matters. The grass with us, the flower falls away, but the word of God abides forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Any other gospel which magnifies the glory of man is idolatry. Which which focuses on the glory of man. How can you make it big in this world? Is idolatry. Okay? Let's move on. Second truth, second exchange. Turn back to Romans chapter 1, verse 23 onwards. Yeah, 25 onwards, yeah. They exchange that, yeah, 23 onwards. Let us go to 23 and then we'll come to 25, okay? They exchange the glory of the incorruptible God from images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to a sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual immorality, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. The moment you exchange, this is exactly what happens to you. That's exactly what it says. They they sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. What was that playing, Baba? Giving them sovers or the, 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 themselves over to degrading passions, sexual impurity. That's exactly what they did. Orgies, etc. It was a sexual orgy that was happening over there. And verse 25. This is the most important thing. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. The first exchange is what? The glory of the in, incorruptible God, the immortal God for the images made of the corruptible man. Second, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. Let me explain this to you. How we uh, exchange the truth of God for a lie. Let's turn to 1st Kings chapter 22. We know this very well. But for those who do not know, verse 7 onwards. We know this very well, no? But Jehoshaphat asked, okay, 
See, the downfall of Jehoshaphat happens the moment he takes one of the daughters of uh, Ahab as son-in-law for his son. Aipen. Athaliah comes inside and she wants to kill the royal seed. You know that story very well. And after that you see how Israel never, I mean Judah never recovers after that. And it's a it's a righteous king who brings this abomination into his into his kingdom. Okay, okay, that's 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 fine. Let's move on. Uh, so verse seven. Let's read from verse seven. Hmm? Yeah, Jehoshaphat said, "Is there still not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him?" This is when Ahab comes and asks uh, Jehoshaphat for battle, and how he asks him. Right, first he calls Jehoshaphat and he gives them a fantastic meal. Oh, so many calves and animals, everything he slaughters and feeds him nicely and he says, can you come to Ramad Giliath with me? My people are like your people. Over. Finished. Okay. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still no, uh, is there still not a man of God who can, from, from whom he can, in, uh, he can uh, inquire of the Lord? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him. <laughs> Because he does not prophesy good concerning me. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. And then what, what does it do? What, 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 what does it say? Yeah. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring Micaiah the son of Imla quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, uh, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat each on his throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria and all the prophets prophesied before him. This is amazing. This is like a courtroom. What is a threshing floor? Wherever, what, wherever, what takes place? Judgment takes place. So the threshing floor is a picture of judgment. Judgment is taking place and who are sitting on the thrones? Two kings on their royal robes. Okay. And then all the prophets have prophesying. Hmm? And then we go on. Now Zedekiah, the son of Kena, had made horns of iron for himself. He said, thus says the Lord, with these you shall go to the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied, so go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hands of the king. All are prosperity gospel preachers, okay? Everybody. You are the righteousness of God. You should be. It doesn't matter how you live. You could be compromised, etc. That's what they are doing. And you will prosper. The Lord will deliver. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. <laughs> I like that. Then in other words, they are all making one accord, meaning symphony. There is one symphony which is going on, but it is cacophony in the, high, in the ears of God. Lies can, can sound so good. How you see in some, so many songs, they sound so good, no? But they are all lies. Every song which has got no Jesus in that, when, when it's not a song which is putting God at its center is a lie. When it's making man at its center, it's a lie. But it sounds very nice. Lot of symphony and what is that, acapella and everything is going on over there. And this, oh, so nice and people fall for those songs. Now the prophets of now the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. In other words, don't become cacophony. Now, 
డోంట్ డిస్టర్బ్ దిస్ సింఫనీ విచ్ ఇస్ గోయింగ్ ఆన్ అంటే ఏంటి నీ మాట అపశృతి పలక నీకు బేసికలీ లెట్ దట్ మీ నో డిస్కార్డ్ హియర్ సి దట్ ఇస్ ద రీజన్ వై పీపుల్ కమింగ్ టుగెదర్ డజంట్ మీన్ దర్ ఆల్వేస్ రైట్ ఈవెన్ థీవ్స్ కమ్ టుగెదర్ టు స్టీల్ right that's the reason why we are hot all these hastes and all these all these things that have that, that have happened so many movies have come out because thieves come together and steal but after a while they they kill each other for the money that's a diff, that's a different story altogether but the point here here, here is they're all together and they are exalting the lies in the king what are they doing they're exchanging the truth of god for a lie Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. I like this. The word of God is what? Living and active or rather powerful. Living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing the soul and the spirit that joins in the marrow and is a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart and nothing is hidden from him. Everything is naked before him. whom we have to give an account you can be clothed in absolute robes on the earth but right in the presence of god you are naked you don't even understand that you know why because you have exchanged the truth of god what is happening all these people are prophesying lies and are clothing you it's like the emperor's clothes one guy says mikhaya you are naked re Asar Mikhaya says, you are naked king. You can clothe yourself with the best of garments, but you are absolutely naked in front of God. You know why? There are two courts. One court on earth and one court in heaven. And what is the court on earth doing? Equitting you. They are exchanging the truth of God for a lie. What is the court in heaven doing? Upholding justice. This fellow. And look at what happens. as the lord lives whatever the lord says to me that i will speak and then what happens then he came to the king and the king said to him mikaya shall we go to war against ramoth gilead or shall we refrain and he answered go and prosper for the lord will it will deliver it into the hand of your king that means there was a sarcasm in his voice ah gore go 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 it's prosper nice you'll prosper see the tone of the voice was enough ah ostani kosthe 100 ostani po ఎగ్జామ్ కి నువ్వు చదివినా చదువుకి నువ్వు రాసిన నీ రాతకి నీకు హండ్రెడ్ వస్తావు ఇల్గెట్ హండ్రెడ్ డోంట్ వరి ఇంకా యా యుల్ గెట్ టాప్ ర్యాంక్ గో 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 ఇట్స్ ఇట్స్ యాక్చువల్లీ వాయిస్ ఆఫ్ రెసిగ్నేషన్ ఆ గో 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 గోరే యాల్ బీ వెరీ వెరీ సక్సెస్ఫుల్ గో దట్స్ ద వాయిస్ so the king said to him how many times shall i make you swear and tell you uh, swear, swear, uh, make you swear that you should tell me nothing what but the ah truth in the name of the lord i want the truth and nothing but the truth and he tells the truth look at what he says next verse then he said i saw all israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd and the lord said these have no master let each one return to his house in peace the king of israel said to jehoshua did i not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil but you ask for the truth right 
And then next verse. Micaiah said, therefore hear the word of the Lord. And this is the most saddest thing. The Lord sitting on his, on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will pursue Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? That means, you know something? There's a courtroom over here. They're all prophesying lies. And if you approach a prophet with an what in your heart? Idol in your heart. I the Lord will prophesy according to the idol in your heart and that idol will crush you. So the Lord is there. This fellow is not going to accept the truth about himself. There's a huge stumbling block in his heart. So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. It's very interesting that Ahab wants the help of Jehoshaphat. But he does not want the God of Jehoshaphat. Next, sometime sometime later we will study the, I mean, I was when I was reading through the entire book of Chronicles, you will see every king had one prophet coming and prophesying. And how the king responded to the prophet's voice determined the outcome of the kingdom. And every king, when the prophet came, he pointed out one compromise in his heart. And if he would have said the compromise right, he would have prospered, but he wouldn't do it. Very few do it actually. Very few humble themselves. And Jehoshaphat is one such king. After he, uh, after he almost gets killed in this battle, he goes back to his kingdom and one prophet comes and says, what have you done? Should you go and uh, play the fool with the unbelievers? And he says, notwithstanding, God has found so many good works in you and therefore he's letting you go this time. And then Jehoshaphat comes back and he, uh, and he restores his relationship back to the Lord. But not many kings do it. In fact, Asa, you know what he does? He puts that, that king into the, uh, that prophet into the prison. And then he has uh, a, a sore uh, leg, I mean, some, some kind of a disease in his feet. And even during his disease, he does not seek the Lord, he seeks the what? The physicians. And you'll see how every king has a prophetic voice and how they respond to the prophetic voice determines how the outcome of that kingdom. Remember Hezekiah? The, the people from Babylon come and they said, uh, they show, he shows them everything. And after a while, Isaiah comes and says, what did you do? Ah, uh, well, you know, they, I showed him everything. Because you showed everything, the kingdom is not going to stand. God is going to remove his kingdom. But during your time, there will be peace. But you know what Hezekiah says? Okay, okay, okay. During my time, there will be peace. He didn't. He doesn't go and fall flat before the face of God and says, Lord, please forgive me. You see, how they respond to the prophetic voice depends as to how the outcome of the king of that kingdom is. The spiritual outcome. That is the reason why the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Every king had a prophet who would come and warn him. And how they responded. You should do a study on that. You'll see. You'll actually get scared. Because you'll see that compromises in your own heart. Maybe later when I, if the Lord leads and when I, when we have the time, we will do that study. Because you'll see every king, whether good or bad. You know, Joash, when Athaliah kills the whole lot, okay, Joash is hidden. Okay, for seven years. And then there's a high priest who protects Joash. You remember that? High priest protects Joash. And then after the high priest protects Joash, after seven years, they do a very interesting coup and they, they finish off Athaliah. And this high priest, as long as the high priest is there, he starts prophes- he starts prospering. And after a while, after the high priest is dead, he goes crazy. And when a prophet of God comes and warns him, 
You know what he does? He mistreats the prophet. You'll see every king had a prophet. How, how they responded to the prophet. I, I think one of the kings in, of Judah, he gets a letter from Elijah too. Exchange the, we'll come to that something very interesting, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll read that. So, so this is exchanging the truth of God for a lie. So what happens? And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall to Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. And then what happened? Verse 22. Verse 21. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. Who's the spirit? Spirit Baha. Baba. It is a lying spirit. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Next verse. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Can you imagine what would have, what would have happened to Ahab if he would have humbled himself? Come to a point of no return. Then says Zedekiah, the son of Kenab, went and struck Micaiah. Which way did the spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And he asked him to be arrested. After I come back safely, then I then I will take care of this Micaiah. Micaiah says, if you come back safely, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he tries to hide himself in a lie. And look at how God does it, right? All the enemies will say, don't persuade pursue anyone except the king Ahab. Except king Ahab, don't pursue anyone. So they run after Jehoshaphat and he starts crying. And one guy randomly shoots one shot. Randomly. Random in the hand of God, in the hand of man, designed by the hand of God. You know why? Because you exchange the truth of God for a lie. The first exchange, the glory of the immortal God. Second exchange is the truth of God for a lie. And God will send a strong delusion. It says in Second Thessalonians, turn to Second Thessalonians now. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 and 9 to 11. 1 to 4 first. Now brethren concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him we asked you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter. I like that. Spirit, word, letter. Why? If anyone comes and gives you a different gospel, a different spirit or a different person. Spirit, word, letter. Okay? So understand that. So test every spirit, test every word, test every letter. As if from one, as if from us, as though the day of the Lord has already come. Our day of Christ has already come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless, what comes first? What is that falling away? Divorce. Divorce happens. People will forsake God. They'll ask for a certificate of what we call as divorce. Why? Because they are going after what? Idolatry. And the man of sin is revealed who opposes and exalts himself. And verse 9. And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception. Deception itself is unrighteous. What is this unrighteous deception, Baba? Is his qualifying deception now? Unrighteous deception? Is there righteous deception? I don't know. Maybe there is. I think Rahab did some kind of righteous deception. I don't know. 
right? That's the only righteous deception I can think about. But it's okay. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth. That they might be and what does God do then? Therefore, for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Why? Because they did not receive the love of truth, God will send them a strong delusion. Because you exchange the truth of God for a lie to worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, God is going to give you up to wild passions. Exchange. One of the ways we exchange truth of God for a lie, we think something which is contrary to what God has spoken to our lives. What do we do? We think something contrary to what God has spoken into our lives. Let me give you an example. Full of examples. Bible is full of one example. First Kings chapter 12, verse 25. Onwards. Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. Also he went out from there and built Penuel. I like that. He built Shechem, he built Penuel. Where is Penuel? What does Penuel mean? Penuel was when, Je- when Jacob met God. No, it's very interesting. He builds Shechem, he builds Penuel. And then look at this. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. Oh! You said where? In your heart. What did God speak into your life? First Kings, chapter 11. Verse 29 onwards. I'm showing you, okay? Full of examples. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahia, the Shilonite, met him. On the way, and he clothed himself with a new garment, and the two were alone in the field. Like this, next verse. Then Ahia took of the new garment that was on him, he tore it into twelve pieces, and he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourselves ten pieces, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom of kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and I will give ten tribes to you. And next, go on. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David, for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because they have worshipped, they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth and the goddess of Sidonians, meaning they went into idolatry. Okay, verse, 30, verse 34. However, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand because I have made him a ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and give it to you. How many tribes? God has Spoken, something very clear. And then what he says, next was very, very powerful. And to his son I will give one tribe that, that my servant David may always have a lamp. Verse 37, I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart's desires and shall be the king over Israel. And verse 38 will say, then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways, do what is right in my sight, keep my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and I will give Israel to you. Meaning I will, I will be with you. The, exactly the way I was with David, I will be with you. Meaning what? God is not a respecter of persons. You seek me, you will find me. And I gave you, I spoke clearly into your life. 
let's come back to first Kings chapter 12. And verse 28, 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. Who? How? 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 That means what are you doing? You are exchanging the truth of God for a, which is the imagination of your own heart. You know why that happens? Simply because you don't have a relationship with God. Every day. If these people go to offer sacrifices in the house of Lord, house of the Lord in Jerusalem, then their heart of this people will turn back to their Lord Rehoboam, the king of, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and then go on. Therefore, the king asked advice from whom? Verse 28. From whom? You know what? So one of the original translations, and one of the translations says, "Therefore, the king asked advice of himself." Made two calves of gold. Where did you get this idea from? And said to the people, "It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which you brought you out of the land of." Same thing. What have you done? Exchange the truth of God for a lie. I know something. Israel is never going to recover from this now. It's over. You see, everything, no matter how good, they have prophets like Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah says, Lord, I want to turn the hearts of your people back, hearts of my, of the, your people back to yourself. And he does it. But one thing he's not able to do. You know what he's not able to do? Change this. That is the reason why it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations are destroyed and Israel is never going to recover from this. And you'll see every king who comes to Israel, they'll go back to the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which caused Israel to sin. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. Even Jehu, who gets the anointing of Elijah over his life to destroy the house of of, of, of Ahab and Jezebel. You know what he does? For two, three, four, four generations he's able to sustain. But after the fourth generation is gone. Why? He's not able to Remove the this abomination, the sin of Jeroboam. He's not able to deal with this. Can you imagine? That is the reason why I will visit the iniquity of the fathers to the fourth and third and fourth generation. I mean, this is this is one decision you make as a spiritual head, and the rest of the generations will get messed up. One foundation is wrong; it's gone. There's no recovery anymore. That is the reason why he says, you know who is a wise man? A wise man is the one who hears my word and obeys it. I'll tell you how I'm going to liken this man to. He is the man who dug deep. And he laid the foundation. Deep meaning went to the roots and plucked out every root of falsehood and established the truth of the gospel there. And upon that he is able to build. That is the reason why the foundations are so important. 
वट डू थिंक जॉशवास वॉज सक्सेसफुल एज ए लीडर सिंपली बिकॉज यू वॉज स्टैंडिंग ऑन द फाउंडेशन ऑफ मोजिस मोजिस लेड दिस बुक ऑफ द लॉ शेल नॉट डिपार्ट फ्रॉम योर माउथ बट दाउ शेल मेडिटेट अपॉन इट Day in and day out, and thou shalt have pros. Thou shalt prosper wherever you go. Every place the sole of your foot has placed upon, I will give you that land. Simply because your foundations are strong. That is the reason why your foundations, the fundamentals, are so important. You see, some one of the things I, I I'll tell you why people struggle in their studies. You know why? Foundations are not strong. Why do people really struggle? Foundations, fundamentals are not strong. He made Israel, and what does he do? Look at this. The next verse will say, very powerful. Then he set up one at Bethel and the other at Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. That itself becomes a big righteous act for them, going as far as Dan. And then he made shrines on high places and made priests from every. Every class of people, meaning he doesn't look for any kind of consecration at all. Who are a Levite? A Levite is a one who is consecrated to God. Who has literally applied the soul of the spirit, the word of God in his own life first. Those are the people who will be able to teach the law, right? Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 33. You will know what I am talking about. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 10 onwards if I am right. Actually, uh, verse uh, nine, eight, eight, bro, eight, bro, eight. And of Levi, he said, "Let your thumim and your urim be with your holy one." Who's he? He's. Look at this. Your holy one. That means he's consecrated to you first. Whom you tested at Massa, with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah. You see, these were the people who were tested, who were tried, and when the first idolatry took place, they took the sword. Verse 9, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen him, nor did I acknowledge his brothers or know his children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. And they shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. You know, one of the reasons why I believe Jehoshaphat was successful in his kingdom, you know what he does? He appoints Levites. And you know what he does? He sends them towards all the uh, provinces in Judah and Israel and all these Levites, they start teaching the law of God, asking them to come back to God, their father. You know what happens when he goes to some of the tribes in Israel? What they do to the Levites? They mock them. They mock them. You should read the accounting, accounting game. How they mock the true Levites when they go to all these provinces. They mock them. They mock the true Levites. They mock those people who preach the genuine word of God. They mock them and they, some them, some people they chase them also, but some people accept. And all those who accept the word of God, you know what they do? They migrate from the northern kingdoms into Judah. So a lot of people say, what happened to the ten tribes? What happened to the ten tribes? They actually, the two genuine ten tribes came to Israel. Came, came to Judah. Okay, so you don't have to worry about the ten tribes. They are, they are safe when Judah was there. The kingdom of Judah included all the ten tribes. Genuine people who are Jews, not just outwardly. Because Judah means what? Jew. 
He is a Jew is not just one outwardly, he is a Jew is one inwardly. Whose praise is not from man, but from God. The one who has no idol in his heart. He came down to southern kingdom and worshipped God. All the people who had genuine, there was a remnant even in Israel. They all came down to Judah. And the other people mocked. And some people I believe they who were not interested also migrated maybe. I don't know. I, 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 the Bible doesn't say but it definitely says that a lot of people migrated from the ten tribes into Judah. Understand this. So what did he do? So what, what does he say? They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel their law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on the altar. These are Levites. And what did this guy do? They go back to First uh, Kings chapter 12 and verse 29. 2030, uh, 31 actually. He made shrines on high places. 31. He made shrines on high places. Um, and made priests from every class of people who were not the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month. Like the feast that was in Judah. 15th day of the 8th month. You know this, right? He changed the feast. He changed the calendar itself. And offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel sacrificing to the calves. That he made and at Bethel he installed the priests of the high places which he made. So and this becomes a great sin and Israel never ever recovers from this. In months which he had devised from his own heart it says. See that is the power of a lie. When you exchange the truth of God for a lie. This is it. God has spoken into your life. You remember David right? Oh my goodness, now Sam, this, after the death of Saul, uh, Saul, uh, Saul, I'm sorry, Sam, Samuel, finished. Saul is going to find me and he's going to kill me. He goes and acts like a madman before Akish. And he does crazy things. For 16 months, he creates one Ziklag and you know the story. We heard that several times. So don't, so first thing sort, you exchange the glory of the invisible God and the truth of God for a lie. One chapter which actually encapsulates um, the spirit of idolatry, if you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2, is this very, very powerful word chapter. Jeremiah chapter 2. And let's read from verses 1 onwards. Okay, I'm just going to uh, read this powerful chapter. Okay, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Okay, what happens? Let's move on. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come to this uh, chapter again. Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon him, says the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. What? You know, actually the original translation, what iniquity. What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters. What did you find in him? Iniquity. What iniquity? Turn to Ezekiel. Chapter 13. Verse 
sorry, chapter 18, uh, verse, chapter 18 of Ezekiel and verse uh, 22 onwards. Okay, sorry, 20, 21 onwards, sorry, 21 onwards. Okay, sorry, 20 onwards, apologize, okay, 20 onwards. The soul who sins shall die, the shall, and verse 21. But if a wicked man turns from all his wickedness, turns from all his sins, which he has committed, 21, okay. If a wicked man turns from all his sins or which he has committed, keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, keeps all my statutes. Okay, sorry. Verse 22. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. And then, do I have any pleasure at all at the wicked, that the wicked should should die, says the Lord, and not the, that he should turn from his ways and live? But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed because of them he shall. And you know what God says, what, what the, you say, the way to the Lord is not fair or not equal. Here now, O house of Israel, is not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair. When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he does, does he die. Verse 27. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness and he has committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he has committed. He shall surely live and shall not die. And verse 29. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not fair. You see, this was a problem. The house of Israel says, and God says, what iniquity have you found in me? When the righteous man turns from his righteousness and he trusts in his own righteousness and he stumbles in his own righteousness, that becomes what? A stumbling block. You know, when we as believers become idolaters, where we make an idol out of our own obedience. And we start trusting in our obedience, even in our repentance for that matter. I repented. Who, who grants us repentance? God grants us repentance. Okay. So let's go back to Jeremiah chapter two, verse twenty. Sorry, verse five. Yeah, thus says the Lord: What injustice or what iniquity have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me and have followed idols and have become idolaters? Other translations have followed vanity and have become vain. It's very interesting. The same thing in KJV uses the word. Verse 6. Neither did they say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led through the wilderness, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and shadow of death, through a land that was not, 
that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness, but you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage in an abomination. Let's stop there for first. How did they fall here? How did they forsake God and go after vanity and become vain? You know how they forgot? How did, how did, how it happened? Turn with me to Jeremiah, same chapter and verse two, you will see. You will see how this happens, how they turn into idolatry. Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem saying, thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal. So how did you fall into idolatry? Because you lost your love. Your first love. It's very simple. Very straightforward. The moment you lose the love that you have for me. That's the reason why he tells the Ephesian church. He says, you know what? I know your works. I know your labor. I know your Let's turn there, no? Revelation chapter 2. And verse 3 onwards. Revelation chapter 2, verse 3 onwards. I know your works. Sorry, chapter 2 onwards. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. What is lost? Faith is gone. Love is gone. Hope is gone. Faith is gone. Because there's, there's no longer works of faith. There has labor. There's no longer labor of love. And there's, there's patience, but there's no hope. And that is the reason why one of the constant prayers of our heart, of our life should be 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. What is that? Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Therefore he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. For whoever loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. And therefore constantly, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience which is in Christ. So he who has love for me, and this is not an emotion. How do you know that you have love? Turn with me to First First Corinthians. Very, very, very Important truth in that. First, First Corinthians chapter 13 and I'll show you one verse which will actually define love. According to me. This is my, this is my, my, uh, uh, 1311. When I was a child, I was a, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So when do I really, really am loving? When I when I truly become from a child to a man. That is when I truly have become love. I, I, I really, I really am loving more. I mean, in the sense that I know the love of God when I have matured in God. I'm no longer a child. Why? Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Yeah. You're growing. In your love. Love for God. Love for his word. And love for his people. Three things. Love for God. Love for his word. And love for his people. 
wherever you see these three lacking, you know. The fire is gone. Yeah. Love for God, love for His word, love for His people. When the word of God becomes boring, sometimes yes, like pastor says, right, it could be boring. It's not always interesting. But you still read it and love it. It's a decision. See, more, I'll tell you something. Love is an act of will. More than an emotion. Forsaking all. In riches or in poverty. In sickness or in health. For better or for worse. (laughs) You know, you know something? That is what we call as a act of will. That is the reason why I believe Apostle Paul, he says, you know what? I know how to be abased, how to be a bond. I have seek, I have learned the secret of being content in all situations. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What a beautiful verse, most of the time spoken out of context. Okay. Whenever you quote a text out of context, it becomes a pretext. Isn't it? So, what has gone? I remember your love of your betrothal. Israel was holiness to me. You loved me. It didn't matter you were, you, you were in the wilderness, but you were absolutely in love with me. You, it didn't matter if your forefathers took away 40 years of your life because of their disobedience, but you still loved me. Because you were not following me for what I would give to you. You were following me for me. Right? Umar Khayyam's the same famous statement. What is Umar Khayyam's the famous statement? A loaf of bread, a glass of wine, and your presence is paradise in the wilderness. It was in Persian, translated. Yeah. He says, you loved me in the wilderness. What happened to you? What injustice your fathers saw in me that they have gone after idols, I have become idolaters. Let's go. First thing he says, you lose your love. Let's go back to chapter 2 of Jeremiah. And verse 6. Neither did they say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt? Meaning, you know what? You forgot where I picked you from. You became ungrateful. Ingratitude. Remember? Where you were, you were slaves in Egypt. But always, right from that time when I brought your forefathers, it was better for us in Egypt, it was better for us in Egypt, it was better for You forgot where I picked you from. That's exactly what he tells David also. Remember what I did to you? I picked you up from this place, from this place, from this place, and I made you a king over Israel. And if that were not sufficient to you, I would have given more than this. What has happened to you? We forget, we forget. That is the reason why one of the things that God might forget our sins. But we should never forget where he has picked us from. Never. And David was like that, right? Lord, what, what am I? Who am I? We are such a least people of all the peoples. We are the least. We are the least. We are the least. That's what when God makes a covenant with him, saying that I'm going to make a sure house for you. He says that. But immediately he forgets. That is the reason why communion, when we take communion, it says, do this in remembrance of me. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. He forgives your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. Don't forget his compassion, his love that he had for you. What has happened? You forgot your love. You lost your love because you forgot where I picked you up from. And you started going after vain things and you became vain. Through the land of deserts, through pits, through the land of the shadow of death, through a land that was not crossed and where no one dwelt, I, I called you and you forgot. And next verse, verse, tw- verse 7. I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and you made my heritage an abomination. And the priest did not say, where is the Lord? You see that? The priest also forgot. Those who handle the Lord did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. Their their prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. And then, therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against your children's children, I will bring charges. For pass through the coasts of Cyprus and see, send a cater and consider it diligently and see if there has been any such thing. Has a nation changed its gods? Answer. No, which are not gods. But my people have exchanged their glory for what that does not profit. I have seen this everywhere. You go to any lab. My lab. I don't know. I have never worked in a corporate office. I cannot tell, tell about anything about the corporate office. But you go to any lab, you'll have all cubicles. No, You go to the Hindu cubicle, you'll feel all the gods will be there. Will, will be Krishna will be there. All the idols. And every time he comes, first thing he does, Namaskaram to all the idols and then he starts working. But you go to a Christian's table. Can you see, will you see a Bible? You're ashamed of me. Has a nation changes gods which are not gods, but my people have changed their glory that that for watch that does not profit and verse 12 be astonished O heavens at this and be horribly afraid be very desolate says the Lord what is the verse 13 for my people have committed two evils rather two evils they have forsaken me first first evil the fountain of living water and the second evil they have hewn for hewn themselves for cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water what does forsaking him means First thing, you lost your love, you forgot where you came from. You lost your love for me and forgot where you came from. Ingratitude and apathy. Unthankfulness. Is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he plundered? Verse 15. The young, sorry, uh, hold on please. Yeah, verse 12 and 13, sorry, we'll, let's look at verse 12 and 13 and then be astonished, O heavens, at this and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns 
where can hold no water they've gone after idols and they have become vain so what happens the first exchange to exchange the glory of the incorruptible god second you exchange the truth of god for a lie and you know what is the final exchange when you do these two things the third exchange turn to romans chapter 1 and we will Let's look at that last thing romans chapter 1 and we'll go back to niv okay because it's niv captures us, that word which is very powerful was 25 onwards they exchanged the truth of god for a lie and worshiped and served the created things rather than the creator who's forever praised amen because of this god gave them over to shameful lusts and the final exchange for their women exchanged natural relationships for unnatural ones first you exchange the glory of god for incorruptible god for corruptible man the truth of god for a lie and the final exchange you exchange natural relationships for unnatural ones and then what happens it starts in the same way men abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another men committing indecent acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their perversion furthermore since they did not think it worthwhile to retain god in their knowledge he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what not to be done and then you will see the list that is given over here they have become filled with every kind of wickedness evil greed depravity full of envy murder strife deceit malice gossips slanderers god haters insolent arrogant boastful inventors of evil so that <laughs> it says invent ways of doing evil disobedient to parents senseless faithless heartless ruthless and they though they know god's righteous decree that those who deserve or do such things are worthy of death they not only continue to do those things but approve of those who practice them you know what the word for worthy or deserve comes from the greek word axio from which we get the word axiom you know what axiom means right axiom means some things which don't need proof the irrevocable truths all of them know that they deserve death axiomatically but they don't not only continue to do those things but a approve why it starts with first thing exchanging the glory of god second exchanging the truth of god and finally what gets messed up is relationships that is a degradation depravity one of the if you look at this when you read this isn't it like we are reading the newspaper of our times it's like reading cnn and fox news only or maybe mostly cnn yeah 
This is Romans chapter 1 is CNN and BBC. Yeah. It was a BBC article recently. How people are okay with polygamous relationships. They are okay with exchanging natural relationships with unnatural ones. The so called Christian nations. And the interview looks so innocuous. Innocuous means, you know what innocuous means, right? It's absolutely ah, harmless. Oh, there's such two harmless people discussing uh, ideas and thoughts which are okay, which are acceptable. And that becomes the norm. Slowly exchange the truth, glory of God, exchange the truth of God, and finally you exchange natural relationships. Ultimately, the sin of idolatry is a sin of exchange. Let me tell you, God exchange your sin for his righteousness. God exchange your curse for his blessing. God exchange your poverty for his riches. God exchange your ashes for his beauty. God exchange your garment of of uh, your spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. What are we giving back to God? We forsake Him, the source of living water, and hew for ourselves cisterns, broken cisterns which can hold no water. That is a sin of idolatry. And how do we know it? Primarily for us as believers, when we lose the love for truth. Exchange the truth of God for a lie. The truth of God for a lie. The glory of God for things. <laughs> and finally, exchange a natural relationships with unnatural ones. And that's exactly what is happening. Men will be without natural affection, it says. Men will be without natural affections means what? They don't even have natural feelings towards their own children. Without, without natural affections. It's depressing, actually. You will see that. It's called storge. There are four loves. Storge, filio, eros, and agape. Storge means the affection that a father has for his children. People, fathers will have no natural affections towards their children. Men will be without natural affections. But you know what God says in the last days? He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. This morning, let us ask God, Father, and never let that love grow cold and never let me forget where I came from. Forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. You'll see that. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives what? All your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who crowns you with, who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness, tender mercies, 
satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Okay, so this morning let's pray and say, Lord, don't let my love grow cold. Second Thessalonians 3.5 May the Lord direct our hearts to the love of God and to the patience of Christ Jesus. May the Lord direct our hearts. Because you know why? The heart is a what factory? Idol factory. Idol factory. So let us never ever exchange the glory of immortal God for things which are temporal and exchange the truth of God for a lie. Truth of God and a lie. You make an idol out of a lie. That is what is called stubbornness. We looked at that. Stubbornness as iniquity, as idolatry. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Why? Because I am the Lord which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. Father, continue to minister to us. Continue to impress your word in the deepmost parts of our inner man. And enable us to walk in your ways. We heard so much of the word last two days. Last two days, O Lord, about iniquity. Father, you are a God. Who brought us up out of Egypt. When we were sinners. When we were without strength. When we were enemies. When we were ungodly. You sent your son to die for us. Enable us never to forget. Where you brought us up from. Keep us in that straight and narrow path. We thank you. We praise you for in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen.